excited, as I said earlier, to have uh, Kim Pittner with us. And if you weren't here earlier for my semi-announce uh, introduction, I'll give you the rest of the introduction now. Um, I've known Kim Pittner uh, probably since I moved to Midland. Uh, at some point, we connected during the district events. Uh, so since around 2002 or 2003, uh, I first was doing church, helping my dad do church planning institutes uh, at his at his church location uh, in Waxahachie, Texas. He pastored in Waxahachie for 24 plus years uh, at Connect for Life Church. And uh, he's been a district supervisor for our area, as I mentioned before. He appointed us to this this church himself. Uh, we thought it was no big deal, but as we've gotten older, we go, man, that was a that was a bold move right there. Ashley was 22, uh, and I was I was 30, but was probably really like 23. <laughs> and uh, so you see all these people that have stuck around. Uh, they they have a lot of patience. They've got the fruit of the spirit in their lives. Very active. And, uh, of course, Pastor Kim is, has worked in our district most recently with uh, being the missional leader and leading us in our empowering leaders and has been instrumental in changes that have been made in our church in the way we structure, in the way we cast vision, in the way we are strategic about discipleship and outreach. And so I am thankful uh, for all that God has done through him. And now the Lord has raised him up to begin to be a voice all over the body of Christ, to travel around. He's beyond Foursquare. He's not locked into Foursquare churches. He's wherever God sends him, being a voice to the body of Christ. God has given him quite a number of different messages that are more than just for one place. You know, there's some people that God gives a message that's supposed to be spread all over to the body at large, and so he's one. But most of all, I want to say this, is that I am thankful that, that Kim, that you have been a spiritual father to both myself and Ashley, that uh, he has poured into our lives uh, from the very beginning and has been there for us and has been available at any time to us, and we are so thankful for that. So just welcome with me, Kim Pittner. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, after that introduction, I can't wait to hear myself this morning. <laughs> Sound really good, so. Yeah, what a what a time of seeking the Lord and, and that sort of thing, and appointing John and Ashley here and you know I got to hear her uh in fact I did her ordination service as well so uh had a lot of uh good times with them and with your dad Tom we we even go back uh even further so thanks for having me here today I want to share with you real quick before I get into what I'm going to say today they'll put a powerpoint up here in just a minute I got a little table back there I want to tell you what those things are about uh, got some CDs if you're interested. But this is the one that a lot of people say, I'm wondering what this is. And this says, Whole Nother Level Outdoors. And it's a nonprofit ministry that my brother Kelly and I started, where, and it's Christian based and oriented, where we take children that have terminal illnesses and special needs on hunting and fishing trips and cover absolutely all the cost for them from top to bottom, and it gives them an escape from the battle that they're going through to get them out away from everything where we can take time to pray with them and minister with them 
and have uh, an opportunity. So uh, I'm glad to talk with you about it. I'm not going to do a big commercial on that kind of stuff. It kind of bothers me to do that. But uh, for uh, and and we've got stuff back there. Got some whole nother level hats. Okay, so these are versatile hats, by the way. They'll run straight forward like this. You can go in reverse. You can wear them like a redneck. And you can rap if you want to. So just whatever you want to do. So just use them however you need to. That'll work just fine. Also, I'm a professional certified coach. And I can coach people in their personal life, businesses, that sort of thing. And uh, with the largest uh, coaching institute in America, it's called the International Coaching Federation. So if I could ever help you, pick up one of these and take, I'm not going to coach in football. It would be something different than that. So. And uh, so I do that sort of thing. So take a look. I'm glad to talk with you. What I want to talk to you about today is a fresh start with a fresh anointing. I'm going to talk to you out of personal experience, but I do want to say something to you guys this morning as I heard the Holy Spirit as we were worshiping, that the Lord wants me to say it to you this way, and, and John, I'm really looking at you, but I'm looking at the whole church at the same time this that the Lord wanted me to tell you, because you're going to leave the building and go out into the neighborhood, and because you declared my goodness today, then surely my goodness and mercy is going to follow you into that neighborhood. And uh, I'm going to show you, because we think we know how good God is until God shows up and he blows our mind, that he's going to show you how good he is out there and others how good, and he's going to show his mercy to people while out there. And in the spirit, the way I saw it is you were standing around those tables of cookies going, you are good, good, oh, oh. But the oh, oh was more like, oh, 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 <laughs> that he was going to surprise you. You know, don't you believe God has surprises for you? Oh, yeah. Well, get ready. Amen. He's going to do that. Now, we are Pentecostal people. And we certainly believe in the whole counsel of God. That this is God's inspired word and it's his conversation with us and it's our guide for life and living. So we believe that. But we also understand that as Pentecostal people, we have this distinction about how we believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 2, we believe that God empowered us by the Spirit to do the work on earth that Jesus did, that through the leading of the Spirit, we do the same things that Jesus did while he was here on the earth. In Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit was poured out, it was a massive change in the world at that time when it happened. It was extremely huge. It created an upheaval. But it was something fresh from God and it was a fresh anointing for God's people, but it kind of, it's a huge transitional moment. They were moving from Old Testament ministry to New Testament ministry. They were moving from the law of sin and death to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So it was transitioning, and in the middle of that transition, it upset the status quo. The religious leaders got upset, government leaders got upset, city leaders got upset, but it was still a fresh start with a fresh anointing. 
And all I'm wanting you to say is that as these new changes come, as fresh starts with a fresh anointing, a fresh empowerment comes, there's always going to be a measure of resistance to it. Because the devil's not going to take a nap. He's going to work against what it is that God wants to bring. It happens that way absolutely every time. Changes rarely come gently. Typically, they require us to let go of this so we can get our hands on that. And sometimes this has become so comfortable and we're so used to it. And we understand this, but this world over here is kind of like Jean-Luc Picard on Star Trek. It's a world we've never gone to before. (laughs) And it's unknown. So we don't have the confidence and sure, I'm not sure what that's going to, so to let go of what's comfortable, to go where I've never gone before, is a challenge. And it creates a little bit of internal discomfort. Because we're not used to it. It's the change. It's not unlike Samson. When he was fighting against the Philistines to bring his people into freedom. He's out there battling and he gets this anointing that comes on him. And he fights 1,000 Philistines by himself. The odds are 1 to 1,000. And he gets anointed by the Lord. And can you imagine what that must have looked like? It must have, it had to be anointed of the Lord for one man to kill 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey for crying out loud. You know, I want a bazooka. That's what I want. And so he had to be at massive speed. I mean, being ambushed from like, I mean, it had to be. And, 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 but after that anointed lifted, he, he nearly died. The human flesh couldn't bear the power. And he goes, God, God, what did you do? Did you bring me out here to take your hand and deliver me over to these I'm dying of thirst. And then right in the middle of this huge battle, he looks down and there's a hollow place in the jawbone of a donkey full of water. Fresh start fresh anointing, and he said, his spirit came to him again. I'm going to tell you what I firmly believe. I believe God is here. There were two or three are gathered is here, and he has some fresh starts with fresh anointings, and you may be in the middle of going from this place to that place, but he's got a drink for you right in the middle of it, and it will revive your spirit and increase that confidence for the Lord, and that sometimes things are physically taxing. This year started out differently for me. It's the first time I've launched my own ministry. I'd served pastoring a church, as John said, for 24 years. That's called a consistent paycheck. (laughs) And then I worked for the Mid-South District. That's called a consistent paycheck. And then my time at the district came to an end. What am I going to do? 
But something significant started happening. My eyes opened and I started seeing into the Spirit in a way. It was unexpected. I didn't ask for it. It was just something that God was transitioning me into. And I wasn't that far away from here. I was in Hamlin, Texas. Have anybody heard of Hamlin, Texas? Yeah. Well, I'm surprised. Okay. So it was New Year's Eve and I was preaching a watch night service, bringing in the... And snow, if you remember, snow and ice was everywhere. And there were only 15 people that showed up. And by the way, that doesn't bother me. I learned that lesson as a young man. I was asked to go preach at a, a CA rally, a Christ ambassador. They may not have, the Assemblies of God may not have those anymore. But it was a youth rally, and they scheduled the thing on graduation night. <laughs> So I went in expecting to have 200 kids there, and there were 10. And I started complaining to the Lord about it. I went to my room. I said, I come to all my time and come out here to preach, and there's 10 kids. And he goes, no, I said, no, there was 15. I said, there's 15 kids. And he goes, oh, I know, mighty man of God. I did my best work with 12. I said, those 15 look good right now, Jesus. I'm a, well, that's the best group I've ever seen in my life, you know. And so I started changing my attitude right then, and I knew then. You know, it doesn't matter how many's there. It's what happens when you're there. And in that moment, I was there with 15 people, and I'm getting ready to preach, and I looked up, and my eyes opened into the Spirit, and I saw water bubbling out of the back door running down the aisles of the church. Now, I know there could be people here who say, that guy's weird. You're correct. Amen. So that's out of the way. So... And I saw that, and I saw it turn and go down the aisles, hit the wall, and splash over the people. And I said, God, if I tell people what I'm seeing, they're going to think I'm loony. And God says, just say what you see and leave it to me. And I told them, and I want you to know, the Spirit of the Lord dropped in that place and visited those 15 people in a profound way. All I'm saying is God started to open my eyes to see into the spirit. Amen, amen. And I want to talk about that a second before I get into this because all this is preparatory for what I want to say. Take a look at this scripture in Hebrews 11:27. It says by faith he talking about Moses forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. How do you see invisible? And it said that by doing that, he didn't fear the wrath of the king. So you know the picture. They're coming after them. They're pushed against the Red Sea with no way of escape. And Moses endures the moment by seeing him who is invisible. He was seeing into the spirit in that moment. And the crazy thing that happened is he endured it. And endured is not translated as he put up with and held out to the end. God, I'm just enduring to the end. It means he stood steadfast and strong because he saw the activity of God in the midst of a battle. And how about this scripture about seeing into the Spirit? I love this one too. In 2 Kings 6.16, there's the prophet and his servant, and they are surrounded literally by an army. They're, They're literally... It's impossible, and the young man is scared for his life. So the prophet answers and says, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
Now in the Hebrew, the young man said, what you talking about, Willis? He didn't say that in Hebrew. But anyway, and Elisha prayed that his eyes would be open to see into the invisible. That was what was there that couldn't physically be seen with the human eye. Lord, I pray he opened his eyes that he can see. And he opened his eyes and the young man saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Oh, my God. It's absolutely incredible what was going on. That there are times in life when the odds are going to be stacked against you. That there are times when the circumstances are going to be bigger than the resources you have to meet them with. That there are times when it seems like there's absolutely no path out. That there are times when everything that we see would drive us to despair. But at the same time, in the middle of that battle is an invisible spiritual world that is teeming with the resources, provision, and power of God right in the middle of all of it, which makes me say, we have no idea what's in this room with us right now. We have absolutely no idea. If the scales fell off our eyes and we saw in the spirit, and I'm not trying to be spooky, who knows? There could be angelic beings sitting in these seats. Excuse me, I'm going to shake hands with one. I'm kidding everybody. Come on. Well, I might not be. I'm just saying sometimes if the Lord would just open our eyes to where we see him who is invisible and all of a sudden we would find steadfastness and strength in the middle of turmoil and even in difficult situations, he is present yet invisible. That shouldn't be strange to us. The invisible God created the physical world. It is as real as the world that we live and see. Heavenly eyes are on us as we stand in this set in this room together. The enemy did not go away, but his eyes were open to the resources of God that were there, which outnumbered what the enemy had. So I just want us to see that because I believe that's how 2018 started for me. What I want to tell you is my testimony, and then I'm going to get to the scripture of what I want to talk to you about. The ending of 2017, Cheryl and I have been married 40 years now. Not 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. 40 good years. But 2017 ended was the worst year of our lives. It was horrific. It flipped everything in our lives absolutely upside down. What I'm telling you was born out of the heated ovens of buffeting and hardship where everything that you have in the natural is stripped away and all of a sudden your eyes see that which is invisible because you don't have this to depend on anymore. And in that moment, you start to see God clearer. Now, you can look at the circumstances that are happening to you, and they could discourage you. Or you can see God and look for God in the middle. The slamming of doors behind you will force you to look at places you've never gone before. And you'll discover your future is up there. And while this may seem harsh at the moment, 
you suddenly face things that have answers that you did not know existed. And it's one of those crazy things. You would have stayed here. You loved this. It was comfortable for you. But God had something up ahead that you could not see over here. So you had to go. So as John shared with you, my time at the district, I was assistant over six states of four square churches and an overseer. And uh, my job came to an end with the resignation of David Coffey. I got to go with David. (laughs) Which meant my paycheck of $70,000 a year overnight went to zero. Now, how many of you know that if you have accrued bills at a $70,000 salary, there is no governmental law that says if your paycheck goes to zero, your bills get to go down with them. (laughs) And all of a sudden, you're thrust into a situation, how am I going to exist? I've spent all my life in the ministry. God, do you want me to continue to minister and just trust that you're going to meet my needs according to your riches and glory? Am I supposed to go get a job at this stage? And there I am in that situation. And so I'm thinking, wow, it was one of those kind of deals. We had been wanting to sell our house. We put it on the market. The first person that comes along puts a bid on it. That afternoon, the day it hits the market, hey, you need to move out three days before Christmas. Now I'm homeless for crying out loud. (laughs) Don't have any place to move to. I don't want to live off the money I made on my house or I'm never going to, if I use that seed up, I'm never going to be able to build another house again. So I'm wrestling through these things and trying to figure it out. And my mother, she's 80 years old, bookkeeper, sharp as a tack, still doing well, and her intestines twist all of a sudden. She goes into the hospital, they check her out and find she's got cancer in both of her lungs. She falls at work one day, shatters her pelvis and her tailbone, and she can't get up and walk. And all of a sudden, I need to take care of my mom because now she can't work anymore. And she has cancer. So all of a sudden, not just one big thing, but multiple big things start to happen at the same time. And so she has to have surgery. And guess what? Mom, so our plan was at 62 years old, we're going to move in with Mama for a while. (laughs) But now Mama has to lose her house too. And now me and Cheryl, Mama, a dog and three cats I've never had before. We all need a house. And we're all going to be homeless. I have moved two full households of furniture. And how many of you know when you've lived in one house for 30 years, you have stuff? And according to my wife's definition, it's precious stuff. (laughs) Looks like the devil to me. But anyway. So I'm handling precious stuff. And you know, there's some inspired conversations as time goes on. Because when she goes out of the room, in the trash, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. You say, that's not Christian. I know it, but I repented. Amen. So... And then all of a sudden, my phone rings, and it's my brother Kelly. 
And he said, Kevin just died. That's my middle brother. We're ambushed. We've had massive big thing one after another. And it was very tender to lose Kevin because, see, my mom and dad went separate ways when I was in the first grade. And being the oldest boy, I wasn't just their brother. I took on a fatherly role. And so it was just horrific, one horrific loss after another. So one morning, I got up, went out on the back porch to have a cup of coffee with Jesus. And uh, by the way, he likes dark roasted coffee. (laughs) And it was one of those kind of things, you know. uh, It was kind of like that scene in the movie of The Lord of the Rings where Frodo says, I wish this need not happen in my lifetime. And Gandalf said, and so do all who live to see such things, but that's not for them to decide. All they can do is decide what they will do with the time that they have left. And that's what I was there doing. What do you want me to do, God? In the middle of all this upheaval that's going on, I'm talking about fresh starts and fresh anointing that come in the middle of upheaval. God, what do you want from me? I'm 62 years old. I'm 63 now. Next week, I'll be 60. Amen. (laughs) And uh, I said, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do at this stage of my life? I'm starting completely over from scratch. So I want to make sure that I'm doing what you want me to do. And that scene described it well because nobody ever wants a time where they don't have a job or enough income. Nobody wants to be homeless. Nobody wants to see their mom or loved one or someone diagnosed with a disease or a cancer. Nobody ever wants to get a call that your brother or somebody, your spouse or somebody that you love has passed away. No one wishes that such things would happen in our lifetime. And we act like they're strange when they do, but we all know they do happen. And that I and you, we all have an appointment when we're going to step off of this planet. And then we act like God did something wrong when we already know we have the appointment. And there I am in the middle of that situation, talking to the Lord about the things that I'm facing and deciding what I'm going to do with the time that I have left on this earth. I'm not at the finish line, but I'm old enough to see it from here. And what do I want to do in this time from here to there? What's the contribution that I want to make? So I was having that little talk with Jesus, and that's when I looked into the Bible, God's Word, to this scripture right here. In Isaiah 45, and God spoke to me. Those words jumped off that page and hit my spirit. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, and I knew what he was reminding me of. You're still my anointed. None of the circumstances, none of the difficulties, none of the hardships cancels that you're anointed and you carry my presence in all situations. Thus says the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus. And I knew God was having a conversation with me that day as surely as he had a conversation with Cyrus on that day. Whose right hand I have held. And God says, I've got this. 
I've got this in my right hand. And in the Bible, the right hand is a symbol of authority. And God's saying, I've got a hold of your life and I'm authorized to handle your life. And my authority, because you're my anointed, will work through your life. And he was reoriented me with him rather than with the circumstances I was going through. So I would look in the right direction. And here's what I've got you for, son, to subdue nations before you, to loose the armor of kings and to open before you the double doors so that the gates will not be shut. And then it got real juicy and he goes, I will go before you and make the crooked way straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret place. I said, say that part again right now, Lord. That you may know that I'm the Lord and I'll call you by your name. I'm the God of Israel. And right there, that conversation got real good about that moment. It was like the tale of two cities that was written by Charles Dickens. There was a revolution that was going on in a Jacobin reign of terror that was happening. And the tale of two cities was about two viewpoints. One person was looking at the reign of terror here, and the other person was looking at it here. And one person, because it was to their advantage, says, this is the best time. And the other person said, this is the worst time. This one said, it's springtime. And this one said, this is winter. And God said, you know what that is, son? That's called the knowledge of good and evil. And that has always got mankind in trouble from the beginning. He goes, that's the problem. Is you look at the circumstances and you try to figure out if they're good for you or bad for you. And what you do is you don't look for me. And right there, the moment I knew if I look for God and I follow him, I'm going to be okay. That his authority will work on my behalf and that he will go before me and start to straighten things out and putting things in order. But it was going to require me to trust him in that moment. And that God was reminding me that there's a plan in place, everybody. A plan that started in the heart of the Father before the foundation of the world. Where he predestined, he decided in advance that he would bring many sons and daughters to glory. And he said, there is no person, there is no circumstance, and there is no devil that can cancel that plan out. You are moving towards glory. If you will keep your eye on me, you will get to where I want you to go, and I will take care of things for you. And so in that moment, everything started to shift. By the way, that's true of you. This room is teeming with the plans of God for human lives. With the destinies that God designed by his own hand. That in Psalms 139, he said, while I was in my mother's womb, he wrote the days of my life out. And that it's all there. And if I cooperate with him, then the days that he numbered for me will have. It doesn't matter if there's good, bad, ugly, Tragedy, I don't want to experience some of those, but God will take the things that were meant for bad and he will make them serve the plan and get me where he wants me to go. 
I can look at the bad and become bitter and upset, or I can look at God and let him take the bad and make it serve me and his plan. I'd moonwalk right now, but I can't. Amen. I'm I'm old. My leg hurts. And God was telling Cyrus, look, son, I'm choosing to work through you, Cyrus. We're in a relationship, and I'm, I'm partnering with you. And he's clarifying to Cyrus. He goes, this is your part, Cyrus, and this is my part. And here's what you're going to do, and if you do that, this is what I'm going to do. It's a powerful principle that goes like this. You do the natural, he does the supernatural. I can remember as a young man, my pastor pastored in Dallas, Texas. He started the Gospel Lighthouse Church back in the 50s, one of the first mega churches that were there. And I remember I'm 20-something years old. I go in to see Brother Hibbard, and he talked like this. Well, praise God. I mean, you can feel the anointing on it. Amen. I just, just say praise God. Amen. Oh, glory. I mean, and I said, Brother Hibbard, how do you do ministry? And he said, well, praise God. You do the natural. God does the supernatural. What? What do you mean? He said, well, the Bible says you lay hands on the sick. God will heal them. Your part is put your hands on them. That's natural. And leave it up to God to do the supernatural. I said, that's it? He goes, that's it. He says, you want to cast out a devil? You tell them in Jesus' name, get out, and God will kick them out. I thought, I can do that. I can lay hands on people. Y'all want to go to Walmart and just start putting our hands all over everybody? <laughs> you go get them by the green beans, amen. We'll just go down there and just, just see what he might do. I think God might surprise us if we just did the natural things that he asked us to do and obey him. Wow. Like going out in a neighborhood and having some cookies. Maybe you never know. God sent manna from heaven, amen. I mean, he might multiply the cookies out there for all we know. I'm going. If that's that, you know I'm going. Here's what I know is that God showed up that day to have a talk with Cyrus. And he showed up on my back porch to talk with me. And I think I'm here today to remind you that God's here to talk to you. That God is here because where two or three are gathered, he's there. And he is in a talking mood. That the Spirit always wants to have a conversation with his people. And he really, really, really likes to talk about the plan that he has for your life. And he really likes to talk about how he will anoint you to fulfill that plan in spite of all the distractions that try to prevent you from getting there. That he wants to talk to us about his anointing. He wants you to know what his hand is on you to perform and to know your part and to identify for you his part and that if you'll do the natural, he'll do the supernatural. God loves to talk, and the Scripture says it like this, that he that has ears to hear, if you're willing to listen, you can hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And he'll talk to us and open the eyes of our understanding, and he'll sit down and say, come, let us raise together. And it's kind of one of those crazy sort of things that this scripture in 2 Samuel says, God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him and I cleaned up my act and he gave me a fresh start. A brand new beginning. I know, wasn't that good? (laughs) Come on, give me some, man. (laughs) That's good stuff. Oh, my goodness. Fresh. 
Could you use something fresh? I'm not talking about one of them five-hour tomatoes that's been laying over on the buffet. Amen. I saw. I'm talking about something fresh. The word fresh means renewed in vigor. And that was the thing that in that meeting with God, I might be 62 years old, but I am fired up. I am renewed with vigor. I am going to give my best that I am poised at this stage of life not to retire, but to refire and make my greatest contribution for the Lord. To be like new again. Amen. Except for running the 100 meter dash. Not that one. But anyway... To get back to my first love and to be restored to the first things. You always remember the first thing? I can remember the first time, oh boy, that I saw Cheryl, my bride. An old hymn come to me. I like the way she walks, I like the way she... I know it isn't a hymn, but that's what come to my mind. And I thought, oh boy. And the first time these lips touch those lips, my heart beat so it scared me to death. <laughs> Whoa! That's first love stuff. But that first time I met Jesus... I didn't care what he asked me to do. I was going to do it. I, I was I was engaged. I was all in. And you live a lot of life. You fight a lot of battles. And you turn around and look and see, man, I'm not running hot like I used to run hot. But God can come in and renew that first love and that first passion. Amen. And it can turn good all over again. I love those first. It's like putting the jumper cables back on you. Amen. And energizing you all over again. And God was letting me know on that back porch, I'm putting my hand on you. That plan is as energized as it has ever been. And the amount of life that you have lived have not discounted it. But if you can see what I see, I've actually poised you and matured you to make your greatest contribution. Don't back up on me now, son. (laughs) And he was telling me, here's your part. This is the natural I want you to do. Right out of the scriptures, just like he told Cyrus. He said, your part is to subdue things. You're to subdue principalities and powers. Son, I'm telling you right now, the powers of darkness are working to keep you from getting where I want you to go. You need to know that one. So what I want you to do is I want you to subdue those things. And what the word subdue means, you walk up and you face the situation with authority. That you walk up to the situation that's going on with the idea that you are to work to overcome them. Don't run from it. Don't back up from it. And the word Hebrew, in the, the word there in Hebrew means beat it down. And what God was saying is, okay, there's your situation. You don't have a job. You don't have that. You don't have those things. So walk up and face it and take a swing at it. That's the natural and I'll knock it out. I'll do the supernatural. I'm thinking on that back porch. I'm getting kind of energized now. You know, God's talking. And I'm kind of excited. 
That when you're being buffeted and one thing after another is coming, God's saying, run to the battle. Do not fall into despair. Do not mourn losses right now. Go to the battle. Face the situation. The plan is still in place. It did not cancel it. The anointing is still in place. It did not go anywhere. Step in faith and get it activated. You do the natural. I'll do the supernatural. And then he said, and loose the armor off of the enemy and render him unproductive. My part is to loose things. And I knew what he was saying to me in that moment is the thing that tends to bind me up and most people up is our thoughts in the situation. And God was saying, in the middle of this, when it looks impossible, loosen up and dream your biggest dream right now. Throw off the restraints and see possibility in the situation. Dream for the future in the middle of everything you're going through. Don't back up. Be released. Throw off the restraints. And like saints of old, contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And then the Lord said, open the new doors of opportunity. And I knew that what he meant, he was saying, all right, go face the situation with the attitude of overcoming it, reach for the closed door, and turn the doorknob, and I will open the door. I had to do the natural. This kingdom always functions off of faith. And so God was saying, faith without works is dead. This is what you do. You do the natural. I do the supernatural. And I start to open the doors for you. That's your part. Subdue, loose, and open. And I want you to know that's true for you right here. And I want to tell you something. i got to pause right now because the Holy Spirit's talking to me to say to you, you are poised as a church because I've watched your journey for a lot of years. You are poised for one of your greatest moments right now. The question is whether you're going to go up and face it and pursue it and let God open the door. But God says when He starts opening things up, He'll open the door to a city. He'll open doors to new jobs. He'll open doors to new ministries starting. He'll open doors to brand new opportunities. He'll open doors for a, a good testimony integrity and restore your good name. And he told me to say, somebody's in here, you did something and you think it destroyed your future. And God's saying, I can make your name good again if you'll walk with me and do what your testimony will be good and then it will also do a door to confidence where you're walking with confidence a door to courage a door to faith and that rivers of living water that he said would flow out of our innermost being would start to flood and flow out of you again well if you can't say amen at least say that's juicy (laughs) it is Ooh. <laughs> it's like eating Campbell's soup. Mm-mm, good. And God's saying, because of the anointing I've placed on you, because I've got my hand on you for a purpose and a plan, I'm officially getting involved in your life. And if you'll do the natural, I'll do the supernatural. If you do your part, I promise you I will do my part. And I love how God talks. This is how God talks. He says, I will. Before I tell you what all he says he will do, I want you to hear him look at you. And I can see God, he's got that confidence. He'll, oh, I will. If you will, (laughs) I will. And that I will. Did you hear that echo? The Spirit of God got all over that. Amen. 
I will means that God is making a very direct statement right now that it's very purposeful. Don't you glad that God doesn't come and talk to us like this and say, Now, John, I don't know, I'm not sure, but I was kind of thinking maybe you might. Uh... I'm glad God says, John, I will. Very direct, very confident. This isn't a neat idea or a suggestion, and I hope you think about it. God says, I will. And that means that he's making a very positive declaration. And that word is a very progressive declaration. By that, that means that when God says something, it's pointing to the future, and he will start the steps to get you there. That's the way God does things. When he created the world, it was without form and void. And he said, let there be light. Let the waters from above be separated from the waters below. Let dry land appear. Let there be, and you see how he builds one thing on another? Let there be plant life. Let there be fish. Let there be animals. And he keeps building the environment until it comes to the apex of his crowning glory. I want to make a man in my image. And all of a sudden creation turned really personal. Now that's juicy right there. Oh. And God is saying to Cyrus and, and, and to me and to you in that moment that it becomes inevitable that once God gets involved with it, He will bring it to pass and that He's backing it, that the resources of heaven are now back there. And it's one of those kind of things that then you declare a thing and it will be established for you and light will shine on your ways. And that's what I was doing on the back porch with a cup of coffee with Jesus. I needed some light for the future. I needed something established. I needed to know what God was saying so I could see a path that he wanted me to go. I couldn't see all the results, but I could see a direction that God wanted me to move in in that moment. And God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said, and shall he not do it, and has he not spoken, and will he not make it good? And in that moment, on that back porch with all that upheaval, if someone says, where are your life going right now? I could say, I'm not sure, but it's that way. It's all good. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Y'all want to do that? Uh, okay. Listen, I can tell you something. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I intend to have me some fun serving Jesus in this life because people need the joy of the Lord. And this is what God said. He said, I will. If you do these three things, I will do these three things. I will go before you and make the crooked way straight. The NIV translation says, I will level the mountains. I'll go up ahead of you and the things that look like obstacle, I'm going to lower them down and level the mountains and I'm going to create a path for you. But it was real important to me because I started to understand something with the Lord in that moment that he said he would go before me. And the word before is translated as the part of the face that turns. And what God was saying is he says, look, son, I'm going to face that thing before you face it. 
because I'm going before you. I will be there before you get there. And I will face it before you have to face it. And I will create the pathway for you. It doesn't mean you're not going to walk the journey and experience the things that go with it. But I'm going to have it set up before you get there. And I thought, Lord, oh my goodness. And I, and he says, I'm going up ahead of you and I'm going to make the crooked places straight. Crooked means things that have swollen out of proportion, things that are bigger than what you ever had that happen to you. You know, you, you said something and someone took what you said and swelled it into something you didn't say. You go, I didn't say that. And now you got a situation that swelled out of proportion. Well, the enemy will do that. He'll take situations, swell them out of proportion, and then those, you know, they start to get, when they swell out of proportion, they start demanding your attention. So now you're looking at those things rather than the direction. It's one of those crazy sort of things that happen, but God wants to come in and straighten those things out and put them back right again. Now, I know how we think because I'm a human being. I think just like other people think because someone says, okay, so God goes up and he faces things before you face them. That's right. So, okay, buddy, why don't you tell me how God faced your brother's death before you faced it? There's always that invisible world that works when we don't see it because The loss of Kevin was gigantic. But was God doing nothing? There's always a backstory. There's always the invisible story that's going on at the same time. What people don't know is that uh, Kevin's daughter, on the day that Kevin left this world was one of the best days of his life. That morning he came over to the house. Kevin was an electrician. He hung a ceiling fan for me. I'm getting my house ready to sell. And after it was over, I said, hey, buddy, let's, you know, let's me and you go down to El Phoenix and get some Mexican food together. He goes, you know, I had a Whataburger. I said, I got another idea. Let's go down to El Phoenix and you watch me eat some Mexican food. He goes, okay, let's go. And so we went down and sat at the table and I looked over. I said, hmm, methinks you're craving a taco now. He said, and an enchilada. I said, all right. So we sat there as two brothers and we had a meal together and we planned our end of the year hunting trip, which was our tradition to do got up from the table, which was also our tradition to do, and hugged each other and told each other how we love each other. We always do that. Kevin went out and went home, and that night that he went to heaven, he gave his daughter away in marriage. And I remember going to the wedding, and I go, you know, Kevin had his little cowboy hat on, his little... Roper boots and his little bolo tie on. You know, Kevin, he, he's kind of like, I'm thinking about being a cowboy. Maybe I'm not sure, but okay. <laughs> you know, so, but he kind of was like that, you know. But he was, he was glowing. I said, dude, you are glowing. You are beaming. You look good, you know. And he gave Haley away in marriage. And then they, after the wedding was over, Kevin's wife and son and his fiance said, Dad, we're kind of hungry. And he said, okay, y'all run by, pick up some pizza. I'm going to go home, let the dogs out. In that little 20-minute space, Kevin stepped out of the world. 
And people say, man, it must have been horrible for Haley, you know. Well, you see, here's the backstory. Earlier that week, Haley changed her mind about something because she wasn't supposed to get married for six weeks. I mean, another six months, pardon me. And she said, Dad, you know, Mama is not doing real good. And so her fiancé's name was Stumpy. <laughs> it's his nickname. Stumpy and I, we want to go ahead and, and get married. He said, no, you're not. She said, Daddy, I hope you come. He said, yes, you are. <laughs> so she changed her mind to get married on that weekend and God gifted her with her daddy giving her away in marriage that she would not have gotten if she had stuck with the original plan. And see, we all know we have that appointment. We just don't know when it's going to happen. But God was up ahead orchestrating things and putting stuff in place so that we had a gift. And it's strangely, even though we continue to mourn the loss, it strangely comforted us all that we knew a plan was working and in place. Crazy. Can I tell you something? Your father, God, he's like dad sitting down in a chair and he's leaning forward and looking at all of you and he's saying, I'm going to straighten some things out for you today. I'm going to straighten some things out. Then... God said, I will break in pieces gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. Break in pieces literally in Hebrew means I'm going to break in and break it down. I'm going to rend it violently, wreck it, crush it, quench it, rupture, maim, cripple, and shatter it. That's the intensity that God will deal with closed doors for you. That when it's closed... That's how he will open them for you. And he will go up before you and face the things that have been closed up. And basically, gates and bronze and irons, they are the strongest. They're literally physically impossible for a human being to pick up. And God's saying, look, I'm going before you and I'm going to release a violent attack on the things that the enemy's trying to keep you from. And I'm going to hit the strongest thing that he has to resist you and I'm going to shatter it and cripple it and put it into little pieces and it's going to be incredible. I'm going to release my wrath against the work of the enemy on your behalf. And I'm going to wreck it. I'm going to crush it. I'm going to rupture it. I'm going to deal a blow to it. And I thought about that. Can you imagine God who is supernatural doing that? <laughs> and here's what I love about this, because I like to look into these kind of things. The word cut means, when he says that he's going to cut the bars of iron, means to chop them down and chop them in two. So God will take that closed door, yank it off the hinges, chop it in two, and then he'll take those two pieces and chop those in two. And he'll do it with violence and that's when then he'll chop those in two. So I don't know what it looks supernaturally, but it's kind of something like this. That door is open. Can't hang that one back up. That's sawdust now. I'm like Samson right now. I thirst. After doing that. <laughs> it's New Testament stuff, by the way. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested to destroy 
the works of the devil. Wow, I need to get through here, don't I? Y'all get out on time usually? So we do, except when a preacher from Dallas comes. And then we got to this place. And God's on the back porch, the conversation. By the way, your father's leaning forward and saying, I'm going to open some doors for you today. Yeah. I will give you treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. I'm on that back porch and I don't have a job. And I said, where are they? And he said, hidden. (laughs) The word treasures up there means storehouses of gold, silver, supplies, food, drink, and a magazine of weapons. And I said, yep, that's for people in Texas, all right, amen. (laughs) Things that are hidden in darkness. In other words, they're in a secret place and they're obscure. They're up there, but I don't know where they are. But God is going before me, opening the doors, and those deposits are up there, and I will walk into them, not sure when. But I'm to keep moving forward. Hidden riches of secret places. Hidden riches generally refers to money that relates to money like was buried. So it's buried up there somewhere and nobody knew that it existed. And secret places meant that it's been in a place to hide it and keep it safe from criminal activity so the devil can't steal it from you. And I'm like, Lord, okay. And that God said that he was... So you get the picture that how the Lord is doing it. So here I am, no job, don't have a house, but I've got a plan. I'm going to take $5,000 and buy me a used mobile home. I'm I'm an East Texas country boy. That's just sounding good. I'm going to get me a single wide used mobile home for $5,000. I'm going to put Mama and the cats in one end and me and Cheryl and our schnauzer named Fritz. He looks like me. Anyway, we're going to get in the other end. And we'll make do. We'll do what we have to do in the meantime. And out of nowhere, my brother Kevin calls me. Um, Kelly calls me up. And he says, look. He said, I was talking to one of my high school buddies, Jimmy Phillips. He says he has a house over here and he wants you to come talk to him about it. I said, great, okay. So I said, I went and looked at the house. Now keep in mind, the house around the corner is going for $1,600 a month just to lease it. And I said, well, Jimmy, yeah, I mean, it looks good, so how much you want to lease it for me? He said, well, look, I want you to pay the utilities. I said, yes, I'll pay the utilities. He said, no, that's all. I said, what would you say? He said, no, that's all. Y'all can move into this house, and all you have to do to live here is pay the utilities. Jimmy didn't see me, but I was like, oh, I was doing the robot. Amen. I mean, I was excited. God had gone up before me. That's the same thing as cash in the pocket, right? God had gone before me and had prepared a place, didn't know it existed, and walked into it, and God made a way where there seemed to be no way. Isn't that good? So I want to tell you, your father is leaning forward, and he's telling you, I'm going to resource some things for you today. Yeah. So I'm finishing up now, everybody.
But I need to tell you, that anointing I'm talking about, you've got to use it. It doesn't just work. It'll sit there. But the anointing, say those words with me. You have received. The anointing is very a peculiar thing. Because Cyrus is a pagan. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't serve the God of Israel. And God is calling Cyrus his anointed. Now that messed with me. Because I'm going, no, you can't have an anointing on your life. An anointing is for a purpose. And if God wants to use Cyrus for a purpose, then Cyrus is anointed for that moment by the hand of God. And God used Cyrus to conquer Babylon so Israel could be set free. And he anointed a pagan person to defeat Israel's enemy so Israel could go free. And for that moment, he was anointed by God. He was empowered by God to do the job. Which actually gives me a lot of hope while I'm preaching right now. (laughs) You know, that I can be the anointed. Listen, God used a donkey and anointed it to preach to a prophet that was backslid. So the anointing is one of those kind of things we really have to be careful of. Just because the anointing works doesn't mean that person is righteous. So we see God use somebody and we go, oh, you got to follow him. No, 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 no. You need to look in and see how that person is living their life. Because they could be anointed for a moment, but not be righteous at the same time. So you can thank me for destroying your theology later, okay? But he was telling him, Cyrus, I want you to get this. God's saying to us, but you have an anointed. You know what that anointing is? It was the anointing that God put in you while you were in your mother's womb to fulfill the plan he had for your life. That anointing is always there. He doesn't just give us something to do. He gives us the means whereby we can do it also. And it abides in you. And you don't need anybody to teach you about it. It's in there. And that same anointed teaches you concerning all things. Listen to this. I love this. It's true. And it's not a lie. It's in there. And just as it taught you, you will abide in him. When you function in that anointing, it keeps you in the middle of everything that God wants. You will abide there in him. And why does God do this? So you will know I'm God. Oh, and I know your name. Mm. Which is really good if you're a man named Kim. (laughs) So I'm finishing, but I want to say a few things. Don't raise your hand. Just listen to me for a moment. How many of you are here and you need something straightened out? There's a misunderstanding. God said, I can straighten it out. 
There's a false accusation. I'll straighten it out. Somebody lied about you. Oh, I can straighten that out. A relationship is wounded. I can straighten it out. If you do the natural, I can do the supernatural. A situation is swelled out of proportion. It was made into something bigger. I can straighten it out. Bring it back into alignment again. I'm sick. I can straighten that out. Doctor said it's impossible. My heart's broken. I can straighten that out. Whatever it is, God can straighten it out. And that anointing will straighten things out. The anointing is here. It's, it's New Testament as much as it is Old Testament. In the New Testament it said the mountains will be made low. The rough made smooth. The valleys filled up and the crooked made straight. How many of you feel like you've been imprisoned behind bars? The door isn't opening. It seems like the doors are closed. You keep moving forward. It's a habit you want to break, and it's not breaking. It's, you're stuck in your life. You feel like you can't advance forward. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I'm a little bit worn out. I don't want to try anymore. The excitement has leaked out. Uh, well, I've tried, but it just goes nowhere. So you've seen those circumstances, so you're not seeing God now. So you're, you're quitting. I stop going in a circle. I keep hitting a dead end. Nothing I try seems to work. The anointing is here to violently open that door for you and for the enemy to crush it, shatter it, maim it, and open that door for you today. And maybe you're struggling financially a little bit. You don't have enough to make ends meet. You have more month than you have paycheck. I can't do this because I don't have the money. I'd like to start this, but I can't because. That's the way it sounds. I can't because. I can't because. I can't because. And we're not hearing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That there's an anointing here that will open the storehouse. And the time now is for you to do the natural. Come to me. Isn't that, isn't that easy? All you that labor and are heavy laden, that's your part. And I will give you rest, straighten things out, and open doors, and resource your future in ways that you didn't think about. I believe these are kingdom, governmental functions of God's holy kingdom. I do. That God has a justice department. He is a just God. And he straightens things out and makes them right again. I believe that there, God has, it's like the Department of Consular Affairs where you get passports to move between boundaries that are closed. And once you get that passport, you can pass through. And that God has the passport for you to go through closed doors. And I believe that he has a treasury department where he resources the plans that he puts in our life. Don't you believe that? Would you pray with me right now, Father? And the worship team might help me out unless you need prayer. Father, right now I'm praying that you start to release the fresh starts in here. That some have had situations that needed to be straightened out and you want to bring a fresh start and a fresh anointing. That there are doors that have been closed and you want to bring a fresh start with a fresh anointing. And that there are resources that cannot be seen but you have deposits up ahead and you want to bring a fresh start with a fresh anointing. 
And that, Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, you would do that for your people. Amen and amen. Would you mind standing with me, please? And if that's you, you say, I need something straightened out. Would you just come on up to the front right quick? And we're going to pray together. If you need a door opened, would you come? We want that door to open today. If you need resourced for something, would you come and let's pray? And don't be shy. Don't be shy. My goodness, we, the Lord will do these things in very powerful way. Good morning. How are you? Aren't you glad you can just visit with people? Good morning. The Lord is good, isn't he? Good morning to you. How are you, sis? Good. I know, coming in and going out, right? Good. Good morning, sir. Blessings to you. Hi. God bless you. These are your brothers and sisters. They're in a place where they need a fresh start with a fresh anointing. Look, I know this just because God talks to me. There's a few of you there and you're hesitating. That hesitation is a proof that God is talking to you or you wouldn't hesitate at all. So come on down. The Lord's going to do something. Thank you. Good to see you. And everybody else, good morning. We want to praise the Lord. If you want to put their worship song up, that's great. Thank you, Lord. Let's praise him, everybody, because your praise is powerful. Good morning. Thank you. Bless you. Let's worship just for a minute. Say